0: Hello friends, welcome to episode 952 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Thursday evening. And today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories? It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Today's podcast will focus on what became a 116 to 93 win for the Hawks at the expense of the Oklahoma City Thunder, the 7th straight victory for Atlanta and now they're now above 500 for the first time since late January at 21 and 20. On one hand, this is a game the Hawks are supposed to win. On the other hand, they cruised the entire way. They dominated from the opening tip, and that's what you want to see. That's a very encouraging data point for this Hawks team and uh, lots of positivity to discuss as a result. You may remember that three weeks ago or so, the Hawks did lose in Oklahoma City to a similar Thunder team in that spot, that was a game best known for the jersey debacle in the first half, which both teams were wearing the same color. That was a bit, a bit of a mess. That was a long time ago in some respects. But the Thunder are pretty bad. They're actually been a little bit better than you would expect based on the point, point differential this season, and at least with their record. But the Thunder are third worst in the league in offense coming into the night. That definitely showed up in this spot. They were pretty shaky. But the Hawks did score kind of at will the entire way, which is encouraging. Elsewhere in pregame... The Hawks did get Capella and Akongwu both back. They were questionable coming in to the night, and then Nick McMillan said that they both guys were going to play. Capella did not look fantastic in this game, and actually Kongwu did not play until, the, until garbage time. So we'll kind of see on both of those guys, but they both were at least eligible to play and played in this game. And also updating on DeAndre Hunter, McMillan said on Wednesday um, in their post-practice availability that I was in in attendance for that Hunter actually played in a 4-on-4 scrimmage, and everything's been positive on the comments there. He's scheduled for re-evaluation officially on Friday. McMillan said he's anticipating that Hunter's going to go on their road trip, but uh, nothing absolutely official there. And also, it doesn't mean he's going to play on Saturday, but he's getting close by all indications. Um, Also, the Hawks announced that Chris Dunn is going to travel on the trip uh, to the West Coast after returning to a modified team practice this week. The Hawks announced that. So um, again, he's getting pretty close as well. So all signs are pointing to a more positive direction on the roster. Um, And the Hawks were favored considerably in this spot. They were seven-point favorites at the open, and then once Capella was ruled to be in, they closed as 8-point favorites, according to our friends at AG. So a game in which the Hawks are supposed to win, like I said before, but they won comfortably in this spot, so they overachieved, and you love to see that on the way to a victory. So we'll blow through the nuts and bolts here. As I said, it was pretty dominant the entire way, so not going to be a whole lot of back and forth here, but that's probably a good thing if you are a Hawks fan, of course. Um, kind of out of the game it's was pretty, pretty amusing in some ways. The Hawks put Trey Young defensively, on Alexei Pokashevsky, and if you listen to this podcast back in the summer, we talked about him a lot um, with with regard to the draft, a very skinny, 7-footer, definitely a high upside prospect, but not a guy who's necessarily ready to play right now, and the Thunder, it's a pretty good indication of where the Thunder are, that he's starting for them right now, Uh, he's not a good basketball player at this point in time in the NBA, so that kind of tells you, but... It's just remarkable to see Trey Young be assigned as a primary assignment to defending Pokusevski, who's a seven footer. Again, seven feet tall. Trey Young is six foot one. Um, so that's probably the biggest guy that Trey's ever well, at least the longest guy Trey's ever had to guard as a primary assignment. That was kind of an interesting thing out of the gate here, but the Hawks did score um, 12, twelve straight points at one point in the early portion of, of the first quarter. It was nineteen to six. Trey had it going with his jump shot, made his first three his first three jumpers. And then actually had a lob off the backboard to John Collins in transition. That was a nice play. Collins had a great block as well. He was very good in this game. And the Hawks led twenty five to eight. So essentially, the rest of the way it was kind of like relatively close, but twenty five to eight out of the gate, and uh, you're cruising from that point forward. The Thunder actually opened 2 of 15 from the floor. That set a tone for the night. They had three turnovers as well. They scored eight points in the first about eight and a half minutes. They did wake up a little bit from there. But Oklahoma City missed their first ten two-point attempts. Not threes, two-point attempts. At one point, they were 5 of 9 from 3 and 0 of 10 from 2, which is not a normal distribution. Um, The Hawks did fair... Not quite as well with a full bench lineup late in the first quarter. They used Nate Nate Knight as a backup center, as McMillan said, coming into the game. That was the plan, so they kind of used that full bench lineup. Um, It wasn't fantastic. In fact, Knight was not as good in this game, other than a massive dunk that he had in the fourth quarter, which was a lot of fun. Uh, He was not quite as good in this one as he had been in the previous two games, but still, the Hawks settled in with a 10-point lead at the end of the first quarter. They shot the ball well. They had 11 assists in the first period. They uh, did only hit, they actually did have five turnovers, but Trey had 11 and 6 assists in the first quarter, and the Thunder were 6 of 21 from the floor and making only one two-point field goal <laughs> in the first quarter. Um, second quarter was not quite as dominant until the very end of the period. The Hawks ended up actually winning all three of the first three quarters and then actually lost the fourth by one, but they were dominant for the entire way. Um... You know it's pretty even for the first like half of the second quarter, and then Trae Young got going again. He did everything he wanted to do basically the entire time he was in the game in this spot. He even turned Lou Dort around, and Lou Dort's a good defender. Uh, he turned him around a crossover in a pretty embarrassing fashion. Um, Bogdanovich got going, which is a very key part of this game, is that he played very well from start to finish. Really, he shot it well, looked good on the ball. We'll come back to him later on. But the Hawks had a 12 to 2 run late in the first half to go up by a, to go up by a 22 point margin, and they led by 20 at the actual break. They shot great from the floor, even with six twenty from three. So they were kind of middling as a jump shooting team in this game. And uh, honestly, to win it as dominantly as they did, and they were only eleven of thirty-three from three-point range. So they were pretty down on twos in a way they don't. They're not necessarily usually in, the, in this this season anyway. But that's a pretty encouraging data point for the Hawks. Trey had seventeen and seven assists in the first half. Thirteen for Collins, ten for Bogdanovich, and the Thunder shot seven of twenty-six from two-point range before halftime. They scored about 0.8 points per possession, which is uh, pretty brutal in a lot of ways. So, obviously, up 20 at the half. There was not a lot of drama after halftime, so we'll have um, some more broad takeaways coming in a second. But first, and before we get into the second half of the podcast, it's time for the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Um, you know, I could have done a more, like, week-long look because the Hawks did play four games and, and, and the, in the last week, as we did this last time, but... I'm going to choose to focus a little bit more on tonight's game and give the Mikula Ultra Player of the Week to Bogdan Bogdanovich. He was not great the entire week, but tonight was his best game of the season so far, in my opinion. 23 points, six rebounds, three assists. He was plus six. He was 9 of 14 from the floor, five of nine from three. And as, as I've been saying the entire time, um, I would not panic on Bogdanovich and I think that most people have listened to that advice Um, he's a good player Um, is he worth the contract is sort of a different discussion in a lot of ways but you saw what he can be capable of in this game if he's shooting the ball like that and playing that confidently on the ball that much uh, burst offensively he's not like an elite athlete but he looks more comfortable with every passing game and Bogdanovich is a very very key part of this team he makes them so much better on offense and then defensively holds up just enough to uh, not have to worry about it so Bogdanovich will have more on him later on in the podcast but he is the Michelob Ultra player of the week are you happy because you win. You win because you're happy. At Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And in the end, joy creates success and enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Michelob Ultra and the Ultra Player of the Week is Bogdan Bogdanovich. Today's podcast is also sponsored by the good folks at betonline.ag. Bet online is still the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, and here in March, football is behind us, but the NBA, the NHL, and of course, it is the time of year for college basketball. All those sports and many more are in full swing. That also includes sports like tennis and golf and auto racing, and anywhere you turn, you can find a sport to check out at BetOnline.ag. And BetOnline even covers awards. They, has t- they have TV shows, they have reality TV betting, they have entertainment betting. They also have the real-time updated odds and props on almost anything anything you can imagine. So plenty of options to dig into. Even if you don't love um, wagering on full games, the options are endless at online They also have you covered for all the news and the scores and the odds to kind of inform your viewing it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website right now, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit with BetOnline.ag if you use the promo code Locked On. One more time, that is fifty percent extra cash for you on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, after halftime, the Hawks. Led by 24 in a pretty big hurry. Uh, Trey Young had 23 points and 8 assists in his first 20 minutes of play. That was pretty dominant. I know his numbers didn't look that much better than that for the rest of the game because he ended up sitting for the final 15-plus minutes because they could. Uh, That's a good idea when you're winning to dominate, especially when you're about to go on a long trip to get some rest for Trey. That was a good idea. But he was awesome, probably even better than the numbers indicate in this game. There was one, like, small run by the Thunder. They went on a 7-0 run in the third, to cut the lead to 16. Uh, It was probably still over at that point, but at least... um, I will say, Shake Shig- Shig- Alexander had a really bad game in this spot for him. At least in the first half, he settled in after halftime and ended up scoring 19 points. He was really bad in the first half, but he he was responsible for that for a lot of that push that the Thunder made in the third quarter. But the Hawks did retaliate pretty quickly with a 12 to 2 run of their own to go up by 27, and that was really when the game actually ended. Bogdanovich had 21 points in the first three quarters, and the Hawks led by 24 at the end of the third. Um, the fourth was largely uneventful, no real charge from the Thunder at any point in time. Um, it was basically between like 18 and 25 for the entire fourth quarter. There was a massive dunk of that I alluded to earlier about my day and night in which, uh, uh, the, the Hawks bench, in, in particular, Collins and Herter were caught celebrating uh, by the TV cameras. That was a fun one. Nate Knight can jump, as we've all seen in the recent in, re, in the recent past. So that was a fun one. And I'm sure you've seen the highlight. but if you haven't, looked at, look up that one. That was a fun throwdown from Knight. They went to a pretty hilarious lineup. They finally cleared the bench at the very, very end of the game and had Knight playing with a Kong Wu and Fernando in the front court. So Knight, I guess, it was the three at that point. It didn't matter. It was total garbage time, but kind of a funny thing to go look up and see at the end. As I said, Trey sat for the final 15, 15 and a half minutes or so. Capella set the final nine minutes. That's pretty nice to have at the end of a uh, mini homestand followed by the long road trip. And as a team, the Hawks' offensive numbers are really good in this game. The only thing that you can point to um, for part of it was the turnovers were too many, but even then, they settled down late only had 14, which is not a terrible number. They shot 67% on twos for the game. That tells you how dominant they were around the rim. They outscored the Thunder in the paint by 12 points. They shot um, not great from three, but not terrible either, 11 to 33 27 assists in a slow-paced game is a lot. They end up scoring about 1.19 points per possession, which isn't like out of this world good, but it's plenty good. It's like you know that's an elite figure for a full season, so you'll take that all day long. And then defensively, you know the numbers are good. I think the Hawks did play well defensively. I have to point out the Thunder are really bad offensively, especially when Shea is not like superhuman. Um, they were coming into the game third and off third worst in offense. And in this spot, you know, no George Hill in this game, no Darius Basley. Other than Ty Jerome, I'm not sure if there was anyone that played well for Oklahoma City's offense in this game. You know, Shea had the good third quarter, but that was kind of it. So you have to adjust a little bit for that. But the Hawks still held them to 0.95 points per possession, which is fantastic. And at least part of that's the Hawks' defense, to be sure. And the Thunder were 25 of—no, sorry, 21 of 60 on twos, which is 35-ish percent. Yeah, and I'll tell you how bad they were on that end of the floor. So, uh, in the end, a dominant win for the Hawks, quite obviously. We'll have much, much more on it in the uh, in the coming minutes, but uh, we'll, we'll just kind of leave that there for now. Oh, yeah, I do, I do want to say one more thing, probably speaking about this run, before we turn it over to the uh, end of the podcast. Um, you know, the Hawks not having to push guys is important, but if you look at the minutes, Tony Snell, 16 minutes in this game. Capella, 26 minutes in this game. Young, 25. Herder, 25. Collins played 30. He was the only guy that got over 29. And, uh, you know, it's going to be kind of a grind here. And, you know, we'll come back to the, some of these decisions in a second with the individual play. But I wanted to at least take a second to highlight how little the Hawks had to push in this spot. And that does matter long term. Okay, before we get into the individual breakdowns, it were from our sponsors. And the first of which is rockauto.com. One key reason to repair and maintain your own car is to save money you can use for other important things like paying the mortgage or paying for food or whatever else you want to use it for. And honestly, why would you want to pay more money for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership when you instead can use rockauto.com? RockAuto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need, from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver. Get everything you need, just a few easy clicks, delivered directly to your door. And best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always low, and they're always the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers, so why spend twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car, your truck. When you get there, you want to write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today's show is also sponsored by the good folks at Built Bar. It is Built Bar madness here in the month of March, and for a long time I've been telling you about the best-tasting protein bar on the market and quite honestly, the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bar is low calorie, it's low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and it tastes absolutely fantastic. It also has 100% chocolate on all of the bars. And now it is time to find out which Built Bar is the absolute best because Built Bar Madness allows you to vote on some of the action. The entire bracket is available at BuiltBar.com or check out the page on Twitter at Built underscore Bar. And There's all all kinds of matches to vote on. Right now, we're in the middle of the Sweetest 16, which pits the 16 best flavors against one another. There are still several to vote on in the coming days, including Caramel Brownie against Double Chocolate. Coconut Brownie Chunk is going up against Lemon Almond Cheesecake, one of my favorites. Also, WC Birthday Cake against Coconut, and many, many more. So the best place to do that is to check out BuiltBar.com. Vote for your favorites. Make sure that your best options get further in the bracket as a result. And also, remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order with Bilt Bar. That is LOCKED15 15% off your next order at BiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar in the business. One last time, that is promo code LOCKED15 at builtbar.com All right, and we'll wrap up the podcast today. It'll be obviously a short one. That's what happens when the, when the Hawks cruise to such an easy victory that there, there isn't that much to talk about. I've been going a little bit longer this season. If you're a longtime listener, you will know that. But, uh, you know, even on these solo gamers, it's usually about 30 minutes. But it, in a game like this, where there quite literally was no drama uh, the entire way, <laughs> it's a little bit easier. There were not a lot of broad takeaways. But there was some individual stuff to break down, which we'll talk about right now. Um, to the bench, to start with, uh, Maze, Goodwin, Akangwu, and Fernando only played garbage time in this spot. That isn't too surprising on any of those case accounts, except for Kongwu. So we'll, we'll do this now. They, they ended up playing Knight over Kongwu in this game. McMillan um, said that ahead of the time, so it was not a surprise when it happened. Uh people were asking me what kind of what I felt about this. I, I don't mind it in a one game sample. My only thing would be that I would not want to bury a Kongwu. I think that they need to play a Kongwu. Uh and I think that potentially the Knight stuff is going a little bit overboard in some circles right now. He's definitely playing well, but in this game in particular, Knight was not fantastic. It didn't matter, quite obviously. And he had the massive dunk, so no one's gonna care, and the Hawks were uncomfortably, so no-, no impact there. But he was clearly not quite as good in this game as he was in the previous. Too. And, uh, you know, my only take would be just don't bury the number six overall pick who you invested in and who's shown some flashes. It wasn't like a Kong Wu was not flashing a little bit before he got hurt. Cause he actually was playing much better. Um, you could certainly argue that Knight is better right now. I probably wouldn't even argue against you, but one guy is four years older than the other. And one of them is a lottery pick and all that stuff. So I wouldn't just not play a Kong Wu, which happened in this game. We'll see how they attack the road trip because, um, you know, that they could leave it like this for a while. And I, it wouldn't bother me. In the short term, but I would not like to see a scenario where a Kong just doesn't play for a few weeks. I I would not like that. So keep an eye on that to be sure. But to answer that question that I got from a couple different people, that's kind of how I feel about it in this spot. And as I said, Knight, Knight was fine. It wasn't like he was terrible. 4.3 4.3 rebounds in 12 minutes but his first stint in particular was not pre- not very good and he was 0 of 02 on 3 which is fine. Uh he was not de- not terribly detrimental detrimental but was not as good as he was in the previous games. Solomon Hill struggled I thought a little bit. Um had four turnovers which is weird for him. A pretty pretty low usage player. It was 1 of 4 from 3. Sorry, 1 of 4 from the four, 1 of 3 from three. Had four rebounds, three points but was not particularly good either. Rondo I thought was pretty good in this game. 8 points, four assists, two steals, did three turnovers and He's had a lot to reverse this this season. Not a huge surprise, but um, he was four for four on twos, so he was attacking the rim a little bit better. Defensively, was some pretty good activity from him, particularly in the first half when the game was still competitive. So I thought Rondo was a good night for him overall. Gallinari cooled off a little bit. He was probably due for one of those after being after being pretty darn hot the last few games, but had eight points in twenty five minutes, uh, nine rebounds and assist. He was 0 of three on threes and three of six on twos. I got to the line for two of three, so it wasn't like he was terrible either, but not his absolute best. It's kind of funny because. If you go if you go up and down the list, I would say you know obviously Young and Collins and Bogdanovich played quite well by their standards, but even then, like it wasn't like you know player for player, the Hawks were just unconscious in this game. It just didn't uh, didn't matter very much. Um, and then finally, Bogdanovich, as we got into earlier on the Player of the Week segment from Mikalov Ultra, um, twenty three points, six rebounds, three assists. You know he had the one game against Brooklyn, which he had twenty two in the first half of the season um, before he had the injury. I think this is the best game he's played though in a Hawks uniform, just top to bottom. Defensively, he was in the right place at the right time. He looked kind of spry as well in this game, playing with confidence. And if that's the guy that you're getting, then it's obviously a huge win. And uh, I also got a question about the long-term shooting guard spot. It's not a big deal to me. I think that the Hawks are going to roll with Kevin Herder as a starting shooting guard unless they, until they don't have to anymore because they're playing so well. I don't think they're going to change anything right now. I've always kind of thought long-term, uh, especially like when Buddy is kind of looking like himself, that he'd be the starting shooting guard. But the impact of that does not really matter much. Like, for instance, in this game, Bogdanovich played more than Herder did. That doesn't really matter. I mean, it's back-to-back. Those guys are interesting pieces. They're both kind of mostly shooting cards. I think Bogdanovich can play a little bit at three if they need him to. But they've used those guys sparingly together on purpose, I think, this season. So uh, I would say Bogdanovich, if he's going to play like this, that he should be the starter long-term. But right now, they're cooking, so no need to change anything. Um, to the starters... Herder was probably the least productive, but even then, he was totally fine. Ten points, six rebounds, four assists. They have two steals plus 15. He was just three of nine from the floor, one of three from two. So it wasn't like he had a great shooting night. But I thought he was totally fine. Um, Click Capella kind of struggled. If there was one one guy to circle as like not being particularly awesome in this game. It was Capella. And again, I don't want to make too much out of it because it was one game. He had just missed a couple of games in a row, probably a little bit of rust. A little bit of rust, and he was totally fine. But eight points, eight rebounds. He missed three. Sorry, he was three out of three out of seven from the floor. Did not look terribly explosive. That's the one concern. You know, earlier in the season, people have almost forgot this at this point. But the first week or two of the season, there was some real concern that I was hearing, and honestly, that I was seeing for Capella not looking terribly explosive. And it was kind of more back to that. And I'm not sure if it's the heel issue that's been bugging him. And it, obviously, he missed a couple games, so. We'll see, but just put a pin, put a pin in that. If he looks like that again it might be a little bit more of an eyebrow raiser, but uh, for now, not a huge impact, but he was even then even with his mild struggles, he was still totally fine and helpful on defense. Tony Snell, 16 minutes, three or three from the floor, all twos, which is a little bit strange for Snell. he did not, did, not, did not take a three in this game. In fact, he is now by the way eligible in terms of uh, minutes played and shots attempted for the three-point crown. Um, he's probably running that line though, so him not taking any in this game. It may be uh, concerning on that front, but currently he leads the league in three-point shooting. He's been fantastic this season, and he was good in this game, despite not taking a single three. And then the uh, the two stars were stars in this game. John Collins, 19 points in 30 minutes, 8-11 from the floor, very efficient. He had a bunch of turnaround jump shots, like they were just easy for him. Had three blocks, including at least one highlight block, and he was good defensively in this game. It was a very, very solid across-the-board night for John. And then Trey Young was brilliant, quite honestly. Um, it's a shame on some level that he only, only quote-unquote, gets to score 23 points in this game because 23 points, 9 assists, 6 rebounds in 25 minutes, 9.15 from the floor, 2 of 6 from 3, 3 of 4 from the free throw line, a well-rounded, kind of dominant effort. I was baffled by Oklahoma City not trying to guard him a little bit differently at some point, but I guess when they're not really trying to win at the highest level, and also it was kind of out of hand by that point, but they had no plan to stop Trey Young, and it was very clear that he knew that and was going to attack them, as he should, so... A nice night from most guys in the Hawks lineup in this spot. Um, from here, um, the Hawks entered the night tied for 6th with the Celtics in the standings. They won here, so now they're tied for 5th at this moment with Charlotte. As I record this, the Hornets are playing in Los Angeles against the Lakers, so it is possible that they, that they win that game and go back up to 5th by themselves. But regardless, the Hawks have gone from like 12th to, to five or six in a couple weeks, which is what you definitely want to see. As I stressed before, um, they're only three games, I think, ahead of like the 11 spot still right now. So there's a lot of flexibility there if you, go, to, if you go, out, go on a downturn. But that hot streak made a huge impact in the standings for the Hawks. And they're in great shape at this point in time. Uh, we'll look ahead briefly now to the road trip, um, beginning with the afternoon game on Saturday against the Lakers. That's a weird 3.30 tip-off time on a Saturday afternoon at Staples Center. Lakers still don't have Anthony Davis, which is definitely makes it a little bit easier to win that game. But LeBron is still LeBron. Um, it was kind of funny. McMillan got asked a few times about the road trip in the last couple days. And he used the phrase one game at a time to a comical degree. Uh, Nate McMillan is definitely um, a old school coach that gives you a lot of, uh, I'm not sure if cliche is the word, but certainly a lot of phrases that you would hear a lot from coaches. So that's not even a shot at him. It's just kind of the way he is. That's kind of the way he's always been. Um, But a lot of one game at a time references. So not, not trying to think about big picture road trip stuff, but I, on the podcast, I will do that for you. Um, Let's just say the Hawks are only going to be favored in probably two of the eight games in Las Vegas, barring injury stuff. Um, You know, I'm not going to go through the entire schedule right now, but, um, and that doesn't matter, by the way. I mean, being favored does tell you what kind of what the expectations are, but obviously the Hawks are capable of winning a game when they're not favored, but it's the Lakers on Saturday, then the Clippers on Monday, um, then the Kings is the game that I think they're going to be favored in pretty clearly. It's next Wednesday, 24th. Then they go to Golden State on next Friday, the 26th. Then they go to Denver on March 28th, followed by uh, the Suns on March 30th. So those are all games that are tough. And then the Spurs and the the Pelicans, I should say, on a back-to-back April 1st and April 2nd. Now, the Pelicans game is the second easiest game on that schedule, other than the Kings, but it's the second out of a back-to-back and the eighth game of the road trip. So that's a schedule spot that you would definitely want to circle. Again, the Hawks are definitely capable especially with what they're playing right now, of beating the Lakers or beating the Clippers or beating the Nuggets or beating the Suns. But they won't be favored in those games. So people were asking what sort of a nice baseline expectation was. Um, I think it's totally fine to be optimistic and think the Hawks can go out and win five games on this road trip because they absolutely can. I don't think you can project that necessarily with what we've seen so far. Um, Atlanta is obviously red hot right now, but the schedule is what it is. So road trips are tough on the West Coast. I think I think four and four would be a great result. That might not sound sexy, but I assure you that is a better than forecast result, even with the with the Hawks are playing. So four and four would be great. Five and three would be ecstatic. Anything better than that, obviously, would be really good. Even if the Hawks go three and five, like that's not the end of the world. In fact, that's probably a pretty decent result, especially when you look at the standings. Like the Hawks, even with this with this with winning streak, are twenty one and twenty on the season. Five hundred is going to be a playoff team in the East. At least a top eight team in the East, not a top six team. So just hold the line here. It's kind of the uh, the goal. If you want to get greedy, I totally understand that. If you're you're seeing a team that's won seven games in a row, I, I totally understand that you would want to go out and win six six out of these eight games or seven out of these eight, eight, eight games. And obviously they want to do that as well. So it will be interesting to see how they play on this road trip. The schedule is certainly a lot harder than the, and it has been the last seven games. Um, like I've said before, the only time the Hawks were not favored in these seven was the first game of the seven. That was that Miami game on the road and Butler didn't play in that spot. So, you know, it's just different. It's a different scenario. The Hawks are still fully capable of winning on this road trip, and it'll be a nice test against the Lakers. I know it's kind of a weird one in the middle of March Madness Saturday to have a Hawks Lakers game in Los Angeles. A bizarre afternoon game for them. So maybe that helps you. I mean, maybe the early tip makes you know, the Lakers not you know, maybe be a little bit sleepy in that spot. So I'll uh, we'll also cover all those games as they're coming. But I want to at least get in front of it now because this is gonna be the last podcast until after Lakers game. Uh, the one thing that I will do is uh, break in if there's a trade of some sort. And we're getting down close here. We're now less than a week away from the trade deadline. But unless there is a trade on some level, I will be uh, taking off Friday to do the Friday podcast on Saturday, basically, because of the afternoon tilt. And by the way, a bunch of late night games coming, so I'll be re- I'll be relying heavily on built bar and coffee and all kinds of stuff to fuel me because there'll be a lot of like 2 a.m. 2:30 a.m. recording times in the next couple of weeks. So uh, thoughts and prayers to me, and everyone try to stay up for a late games. So I know I know some Hawks fans won't be able to stay up just logistically. So if you miss some miss some of those games on the West Coast, I'll be here to recap them for you on this podcast. Please subscribe to the show at the very least, I'll see you after the game on Saturday.